Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Haley Devlin. Haley is the founder of Embodied Recovery Community, an online space for women plus who are recovering from participating in any destructive behaviors. She is also a somatic practitioner and facilitator, a sober coach, and a mother. Haley's mission is to empower you with practices and support to come to know and fully inhabit your body as a safe and sacred space so that you can recover your sense of self-trust, your authenticity, your sovereignty, your intuition, and your vibrancy. Her approach to the work merges science with spirit in a way that is grounded, accessible, and trauma-informed. Here's Haley. Haley, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm, I'm so like geeking out a little bit. <laughs> awesome. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited because I get giddy when I like know somebody, but I don't really know somebody. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I kind of am viewing you in this moment. And I'm, I'm very eager to hear you share some more like obviously tidbits of your childhood and kind of young adult years so that I get an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, uh, I mean, I don't even know where you grew up. Why don't you tell, tell us literally tell me and tell the listeners, <laughs> where did you grow up? And then also, so what kind of like, what was the messaging that you were receiving, uh, especially later in adolescence about post-secondary education? Mm, yeah, thanks. Um, so I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, in the East Bay, specifically in a small town called Orinda. You know, it like growing up in the Bay Area was was great and also and also not in some ways, you know, but I the kind of messaging that I got around post-secondary education was really that like the the deal was it's like you graduated high school you went to a good college you climbed the ladder of whatever career path you chose and like that was just how you were going to live your life and that's what success meant ultimately and i remember actually feeling like so when i first applied to colleges um and i had i had navigated a lot of difficulty throughout high school and you know i didn't have a horrible gpa but i didn't have a great one and so I got into um, a school, a CUNY school in New York City uh, called Baruch. And so I, so I started out there. And I remember actually like feeling this kind of like shame about that, that like it wasn't like a good enough college, you know? Um, and so anyway, but I really wanted to live in New York City and I really wanted to get away from the West Coast. So that worked. And so I went there um, and I spent my first two years there. Part of my second year was actually studying abroad in Paris. And during that time, I got so homesick that honestly, for shits and giggles, I just like applied to UC Berkeley, really not thinking I was going to get in. I just was like, oh, whatever. I'll just, who who cares? I'll try. Um, And I got in. And like, and it's funny because for years I would be like, oh, this was like an admissions mistake, you know, but um, uh, which was really just kind of my own (laughs) (laughs) insecurity. Um, But anyway, so I ended up moving back to California and somehow, even in the throes of my addiction, managed to finish uh, and graduate from from UC Berkeley. And and to be honest, like that was kind of a that was uh, something that I really clung to for a sense of self-worth was like, okay, I got into this school. But it was like a very surface level self-worth, you know, it wasn't like I didn't have like a true sense of self-worth. I don't I don't know that that 
college really affords us that. Maybe it does for some people, but it didn't really for me. So anyway, so that's kind of my little journey with that. Well, I appreciate you actually talking about the, the well, we're talking about multiple things, right? The, yeah. uh, the definition of self-worth and how we each define it, because yeah. that is so subjective in itself. But then also you really hit on this piece of like the shame that's associated with schools, right? Like we, we, whether we actually talk about it or whether it's just kind of inherently known, here's like, here's a a group of, of universities and colleges that are like top tier. And then there's second tier and third tier, like, and and the list goes on and, and how you view the decision that you've made or the identity tied to the school and the name. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting kind of navigating like that being a part of who you are as a young adult. Totally, totally. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the kind of irony is that I actually feel like I was getting a better education going to Baruch. Um, I, uh, I studied art history in college. Well, that became my major. And, you know, at that point, first of all, I was just living in like a a, a cultural center as far as art goes. And so I would have, you know, these really fun assignments that required a lot of like critical thinking of like, okay, go to this museum and talk about the way that this exhibition is curated and how it relates to blah, blah, whatever. And, um, and just feeling like I would feel like lit up by my classes, you know, and then I, and then I transferred to Berkeley and, and don't get me wrong. There were some classes and some professors that I had were, that were top of the field and, and, um, and super, you know, renowned and well-respected and offered great education. But I also got a lot of classes that were like, memorize these 200 slides of Greek art sculpture and the 200, you know, year range that it could have been created in and then like answer a multiple choice test. And it's like, that's not what, you know, what, what, what am I really learning in that? And so I just have always thought that to be so interesting, right? That it's like the, the name means so much. And yet that doesn't, even necessarily always equate to quality of education and, and it isn't even necessarily comparable to something that might have, yeah, like a, le- a lesser name. So I'm, I'm a little bit triggered in this exact moment because mm-hmm. I had a Renaissance art history class in college. I think we're around the same age and uh, the truly the, the exams were the professor would flash a slide like up on the screen yeah. right because we still did slides <laughs> and and it, you would have to be able to regurgitate everything yeah right yeah. like the title the artist the year like and the why behind mm-hmm. the piece mm-hmm. or like anything in particular that was specific, specific but um I wouldn't say that I walked away from that class being like that professor was top of the field and yeah. they were amazing <laughs> I I just remember Unfortunately, A, I do have a really strong Renaissance art history knowledge. Please don't ask me anything right now. But but it was it was not my favorite class at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting to again, I think a lot of what you're talking about, and I love that you said, like, look, you were in the kind of the cultural epicenter when you're in New York, right? Like yeah. that when you think of art, when you think of galleries, when you think of museums, I think of New York City. Yeah. So and it's interesting, we, we totally skipped over the fact that you did a study abroad, because I also view that as kind of like a gap experience, which we can maybe talk more about, maybe, well, right now or later. But I think, you know, you're talking about three different transitions to mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. like a very short amount of time, cultural totally. differences, geographic differences, educational differences, like you name it. So I'm just kind of curious, 
you can either you can dive in specifically to kind of each spot or if you want to just kind of uh, lump it all together like what was the transition what was college like mm. socially and emotionally for you mm, yeah great question um, I'm also just really appreciating these questions because they're like they're different than what I'm often asked and so I'm like oh this is really, it feels like really kind of fresh for me which I pre- uh, just really appreciate um I would say that the transitions well so I mean just something to kind of be aware of is that in the midst of all that was arising for me, I was, I was navigating addiction. Um, and so when I would transition, I had that as what felt like a buffer at the time. Um, because the, because the reality is that I didn't have, uh, healthy coping skills to navigate transitions otherwise. And so often when I would transition, my addiction would actually like take a go, go on an uptick, you know? And I remember often feeling um, the thing that's so tricky about it when I reflect on it is that I didn't really have language for it at the time. I just felt a sense of like dis-ease in my body. But, you know, when I look back, what I understand is that transitions caused a huge amount of anxiety for me. Um, And I didn't know really how to talk about it. And I also didn't really have much in the way of support around transitions even having the potential to be kind of useful. Um, and so I would, uh, it took me a, t- a lot of time to kind of adjust. And in the midst of that adjustment, I would revert to more unhealthy kind of coping mechanisms. Yeah. And so, yeah, that feels true. And then what also feels true is that I, uh, in many ways, had to adult at a really young age. And so I, I, I grew up kind of having this story about myself of self-sufficiency. And, and, I, and I think that, that that was real to some degree, but also the story of self-sufficiency generated a sense of isolation and like, I can't ask for help. Um, and so, yeah, I realized as I was talking about it that I wanted to paint like a more full picture and, and that feels important to include in it as well. Well, and you think about it too, in that specific regard, no wonder you're leaning on substances mm-hmm. as, a, as a way to cope, right? Because if you're, you know, with every transition, anxiety is actually normal, right? Yeah. For anybody, substance use aside, yeah, yeah. right? Like a new, a, a move, a new environment, you know, like setting and getting connected to a community, like you actually have to lean into discomfort because if you don't know anybody, it's, it's completely new and foreign. And so, and if you're, if you're kind of raised or the narrative is like, I'm on my own, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. then you cope how you can at the time. And, and more often than not, geez, young, young people, we're just like so ripe for getting in trouble and doing some like really dangerous things for coping skills. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yes. That's, and I I remember very much feeling this sense of like, I'm invincible. I can do this and it's fine. You know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I also will say that, um, what felt like saving a saving grace in some ways for me in the midst of transitions was that not while I was in Paris, I didn't have a job while I was in Paris, but uh, going to New York and then from New York back to California, I always had jobs um, because I was, you know, I didn't want to be part of like the Greek system. And um, I was, I was pretty shy. And, uh, and so, you know, I never really f- had what felt like a com- like a college community experience that I, that I feel like is portrayed often. 
but I would meet community in the places that I worked. Um, and then when I was studying abroad, that kind of cohort that had, you know, gone from New York city to Paris together, like we kind of had each other. And so that, that helped to some degree. Um, but yeah, without that, like, oof, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Cause even with those things, I felt uh, pretty lonely a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I know a little bit about what you're doing now and it feels like there's a huge gap between graduating from Berkeley or anything related to art history to where mm-hmm. you are now. Yeah. So, so, and obviously we can go out on a limb and say that you're doing much better now with transitions in life, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, why don't you kind of just fill us in? Like once you graduated from Berkeley, then what? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to talk about that period of my life because I'm like, God, I feel like I've lived multi- just multiple lives, you know. Um, but yeah, once I graduated from Berkeley, I moved back to New York City and I started working in the art world. And at first that looked like, you know, internships in galleries and then also a company called Artnet that was like an online art auction company. And so I, and then I was simultaneously waitressing. And so I would do my internships during the day and then I would work at a restaurant at night. Um, And eventually I was offered a full-time position at Artnet in their prints department. And so I ended up um, working there and uh, for mm, really a year and a half or so, but I ended up getting fired from that job because of my addiction. And then I, uh, long story short, wound up moving back to California, um, where it took me, you know, another year and a half to actually get sober. And, uh, and then, you know, through that journey, my, my recovery journey, I, I moved to Bend, I, you know, started out doing things like teaching yoga and meditation and, um, and then, you know, learning more about somatics and embodiment and, how we heal through trauma and my work has just really kind of evolved from there. But, you know, in, in a nutshell, it's like I went from, from working in the art world in a very corporate environment to like having a, a career that's like wellness and recovery focused, um, which I love so much, but it's also just a funny, it's a funny path. It's a funny path I've walked for sure. <laughs> Not where I ever expected I was going to go, you know? <laughs> right? Totally. Well, and I even think like, honestly, a, a big part of the work that that is done within the wellness and uh, somatic, you know, just like whole health space, it feels like it's still a part of the same side of the brain. Mm, right? Mm-hmm, like when we mm-hmm. talk about creativity or just like, you know, diving into that, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm certainly not a, a neurologist, so I don't really know. But t- to me, it's not the it's not the typical art, right? You're not working in a gallery. You're not, you know, working in a an agency or anything like that. But you're 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 in a different lane, but you're still on the same highway. How about that? Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree. And I also think, you know, at the end of the day, I I chose to work in the art world. I didn't understand it at the time, but it's like, that's how I maintained a sense of connection to the things that brought me alive, you know? And that's what somatics affords me now is a connection to the things that brings me alive in a bit of a different way. But it totally feels like, yeah, a similar, a similar thing, just different avenues of approach. 
I love it. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us exactly what is it that you do? Like, what's your title? What's your job? What's the business? Like, tell us everything. Yeah, totally. Um, so right now, what I do has kind of two two pieces to it. One is that I I do I work with people in a one on one coaching capacity. Um, I do sober coaching or somatic coaching usually a kind of a combination of both. Um, if we're doing sober coaching, we're definitely integrating somatics into it, but not everybody needs sober coaching. So sometimes we're just doing the somatic piece. But um, And so there's that. And then last year in January, um, I founded a an online recovery space for women who are recovering really from any destructive behaviors. Um, and so that's kind of another branch of what I do, but it, it integrates the same kind of work. So, you know, um, recovery support and somatic work and the kind of integration of those two things together. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds super cool. Yeah. Okay. And- I'm, uh, at the very end, we will make sure that folks know how to connect with you for the coaching or get connected to the community because I think that's also really important. But I'm going to ask you this question because I ask all of my guests point blank. Do you see yourself as successful? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do because I am doing work that I just believe in so deeply and that's like deeply fulfilling to me um and that I witness every day as making a difference in people's lives and and I don't say that in like a I'm the one that's doing that right like they're the ones that are doing it but I'm getting to hold space for that work to occur and um and to me that that's success for sure yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. I always love hearing people's responses, right? It's like I put put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> if no. if you can, because the reality too is like there's no it it's open to interpretation. There's no right or wrong answer. Totally, it's how, it's how you interpret your own experiences and where you are now. So I'm never going to be like, and you're wrong. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but but I love it. Um, yeah. So if you could give, if you could give some piece of advice, I mean, I always, again, I think that I, I try to, I pretend, let's be real. I pretend to make this as generic and open-ended as possible. But I, I believe that every time I have a guest on the show, by the time I ask this question, it gets really specific to Mm. like who you are in reflection of, you know, where you were at during your young adult years. So I'm just going to ask that because I think it's important especially for young women. If you could give some advice to a young woman who's struggling in transition, in finding a sense of community, in like kind of coming to that to the place of like, you know, maybe I am towing the line with addiction mm. or like all of the above, right? Like all the things. What advice would you give that young woman? Mm. Yeah. There's a few things that come to mind. The first that that I always that feels just foundational is um, is to find you know at least if if not I mean hopefully many but a safe person that you can just be honest with um, that you feel like you can share what's really going on and and feel held and and supported in whatever is arising for you you know. I think that many of us are are privileged to have people like that in our lives. Some of us aren't. And that just means that it requires a bit more digging, you know, um, and kind of seeking out those people. 
And there's just so many ways to do that, although it sometimes feels like there isn't, but that would be one piece. Um, And then the other piece that's coming to mind is like, that I think that, well, so if we're talking about the kind of addiction piece, what feels important to share is that there's just still so much shame and, and stigma around that, even though we live in like the most addiction society in history, you know? Um, and it's such a human experience to have. And the shame tells us that we're not worthy of support and that we're not even worthy of sharing our story. Cause if we did, we're going to lose love or we're going to lose acceptance, et cetera. And I would say just to, to let people know that like that, that story is a lie and it's not true. Um, And actually, like, no matter what a person has done or been through, every person is just inherently deeply worthy of love and belonging. And the sooner we can even open to the possibility that that's true, uh, the sooner we're able to receive and seek support. Um, And then, you know, when it comes to navigating just transitions in general, I would say, like, just being like so gentle with ourselves, you know, I feel like we have often these messages and, and where we receive them could be a whole, you know, a whole other conversation, but all to say we receive these messages around like, oh, transitions should ha- be perfect or they should feel, yeah, totally easeful or they should feel they, that we should have all t- every single step mapped out so that the transition can be perfectly achieved. And that's just like, transitions are just inherently messy. And as humans, we're inherently complex and dynamic and letting that be okay and being so gentle with ourselves around the fact that like, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna do things imperfectly. We're gonna feel like we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. I feel like we all probably feel on a day-to-day basis and we're all just guessing, you know? Um, and so like letting that be okay and a part of the process. And And I know for me, transitions are always such an invitation to just like not take myself so seriously. You know what I mean? Like I could take myself so seriously and that just creates this contraction in me and this impulse to avoid and make myself small and all the things. And when I can remember like, ah, okay, I am one among many and there's millions of people in the world, billions navigating transitions in this very moment. And like, how I am is okay. And I can also bring like a lightness to it um, helps me to, to navigate the transitions with a little more grace oftentimes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I could probably pull out like seven different things, at least <laughs> from what you just said, like simple, like one liners or like something like that, that could become a mantra. And, and it, it expands beyond the like female specific space, even though I asked you to kind of highlight that. I think that everything that you just hit on truly can can work for any gender. Mm-hmm. And so, um, gosh, I'm, I'm so appreciative to hear that. I feel like I'm going to need to replay that little clip over and over and over because there's so many nuggets of really good advice in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So with kind of like, great way to like segue to how the heck do people connect with you? Because obviously you're real and you also have really, you know, like in-depth knowledge, Mm. uh, advice, you know, guidance, like you kind of exude all of those things. Mm. And so the right person really needs to be connected to you. So how do people connect with you? Yeah. um, I mean, people can find me through my website, which is sacredgroundingwellness.com. 
Um, I'm also on Instagram at Haley Devlin. Um, and, uh, I'm also like, I I mean, I'm on TikTok ish. I'm still like, you know, I have, I have mixed feelings about TikTok. We'll just say, (laughs) but I'll, but I am on there also as Haley Devlin. (laughs) Um, and so those are places that you can easily, easily find me. Yeah. I love it. I'm like giggling hard because there's there's me like and my shame bubbling up because I'm like you you showed me all these things and I've done oh, no. nothing. Oh my gosh! Nothing. No, no. Yes, I so get that. And I mean, truly, it's like we all have our own path with that stuff. And to be honest, I've actually been less present on social media intentionally lately because. I feel like it can kind of pull me from my center of like what it is that actually matters that I'm here to do, you know? And that's, I mean, just realistic, you know, realistically speaking, and this is, I don't know if this is a sidebar. I mean, we can include this. I don't really care, but um, it's like, that's obviously important from a marketing standpoint to some degree, but also it's like, how am I cultivating and deepening into the relationships that already exist, you know, in my life and in my sphere. And sometimes the need to constantly post stuff just detracts from that, you know? So yeah. Well, it's easy to get sucked into the the role of consumer rather than content creator. Mm-hmm. And when you are a business owner, I mean, just to have the the means for people to contact you, I think that's great, right? Absolutely. And if you need if you need to take breaks, by all means, take breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, the right, the you know, again, I keep going back to this term or the phrase like the right people, the the people that are meant mm-hmm. to connect with you will connect with you at this point. So. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I mean, again, I feel like I have a little bit more information about Haley now, which is just super excited basically to to know a little bit more of your history and and hear about your young adult journey and leading to where you are now. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guest. Also, put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed successissubjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to the Success is Subjective podcast on any other podcast playing app, such as Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Last but not least, Success is Subjective is listener supported, made possible by me and by you. You can support this podcast by joining the Patreon community at patreon.com backslash success is subjective. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. 